Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the 7-1 Real Forno Show. We're going to have a lot of fun tonight. We're going to talk about the resiliency of this team, how icy Kirk Cousins is, and the main reason why you should not be upset or even surprised considering Daniel Hunter's play this season because he's arguably been the best player on this team. Welcome to the Real Forno Show. Welcome to the Real Forno Show. Managing editor of the USA Today's Vikings Wire. Betting and college football analysis for the Fantasy Points website. Publisher of Substack Run and Shooter. Host of The Good, The Bad, and The Hungry on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. As well as a member of Climbing the Pocket. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to The Real Forno Show. I am your host, Tyler Forno. So with me in the corner, as always, is producer Dave. Dave, we have a wild Odie running around the office tonight. We're going to have a little bit of fun making sure he doesn't destroy my chair any more than he already has. But he's a rambunctious little fellow that's just woken up from a nap. How are you, sir? I am good. It's Monday in Austin, Texas. A little warm and muggy, but that'll change by the end of the week when we have winter coming. Very fair. I'm I'm really excited to hear about your year-long low of 35 degrees. <laughs> We're not going to get uh, that low, but we'll be it will be in the 50s for highs, which is yeah. long sleeve and jacket weather for Texans. Oh, you poor thing. You absolute <laughs> poor thing. Uh, Dave, let me ask you an off-topic question because tomorrow is election day. Um, what is the funniest ad that you have seen so far on TV. Like, we all know that these ads get really ridiculous. And, like, they do anything they can to attack the other side. And they usually are, like, so bad that they're funny. Have you seen any really good ones down in Texas this year? I ignore them purposely. Oh, oh that's even better. Minnesotas are absolutely atrocious. And I love, like, um, there's uh, one representative, Angie Craig, who's running for re-election. And, any attack ad on her she just looks like she's got the most angry face in the world and she's like yelling and pointing i'm like wow you you're really trying to make her look good and it's it's the the ads themselves are hilarious to me because they're they're so bad like i don't even pay attention to them because they're i don't why are you spending money on this because they're just not good um yeah 69 degrees sounds absolutely tremendous no, um, he's drinking fighting 69th is what he's indicating Oh, that's even better. He he listened to your recommendation, Dave. I have not had a chance to try it, and I'm excited to get a chance to do it's so. It's got to be shipped to you, and it can be shipped to Minnesota. Minnesota is not one of the mm-hmm. states that uh, is banned from shipping in whiskey. But there's Listen. no sellers in Minnesota. Yeah. Maybe if I tell them that I still run a liquor store, I'll get a free bottle so I can sample it. Try. Can't hurt. It. It's worth a shot. They mean in the meantime. Listen, we are living in Elon Musk's Twitter, and it is a hilarious place. And we are going to have some fun here tonight on the Real Forno Show because the Vikings are seven and one. And Dave, I'm going to give you a chance to pull it up just in case people haven't seen Kirko, the rapper, partying have, on the plane. I did not rip that video, but he was, you know. With the chains, the ice, I, I'm all for him. Listen, hey. he is living his best life this season, and 
kudos to him. He feels comfortable to be his dorky self. Listen, it took me about 25 years to figure that out. And as far as being an NFL player, it took Kirk 10. So he's doing better than me. And he is having fun. The team has embraced him and they understand like he is just a dorky dad and they are all having a good time. And I love it. It's great. And you know what the best part was? Like he was obviously shirtless this time when he was wearing all those chains and he's got an eight pack. So he went on Pat McAfee's show today and they asked him about it. And he's, he said, I'm going to have to pull up the exact quote. Um, But he got it because. Yeah, no, no, it was um, that like the the initial quote, like the first few lines that he said to McAfee because it was just peak. Oh, he has he. I have always been absolutely strapped, meaning he's always had that. I'm like, dang, Kirk, let's go! Like, and he talked about it, and it's something that's real. It was really interesting, and you don't necessarily think a lot about college weightlifting programs are meant to just get you looking beach ready. Like that's, well, that's kind what of what. He said. The, that yeah. bulk up, but they don't really do a lot of flexibility stuff. And that kind of stuff really helps you like maintain in the league. So I found that very interesting and he ain't wrong. There's a reason why Tom Brady is still playing as well as he is at age 45 and proving that Matt Stafford is truly Matt Stafford. And like, <laughs> uh, I can't, I can't, but he's got a Stafford, ring. You know what? I'd have a ring if I played quarterback for Sean McVay. Um, but anyways, I digress. This, no, because their plan is starting to fail them because they're not hitting on those picks like they used to. Because um, that was part of it. you got to hit on those late-round picks. you got to find starters and develop them. Kevin O'Connell doing the masterminding behind the scenes. Yep. And now he's with us, and the Vikings are 7-1. and one. And I think we're going to talk about this. That's why I wore this shirt today. Says Mr. Happy. <laughs> because hey. we are seven and one. The Minnesota Vikings are finding ways to win. It may not be pretty. They go to sleep for, you know, a couple quarters, but they are finding ways to win. And I will take that any day of the week. Hey, David. Yes, it is Hawkinson. Hawkinson had a great day. Yesterday, you know, he gets flies in, gets the game plan on the iPad, and then le- less than five days later, he's pulling off seven receptions. Was it mm-hmm. seven for seventy? And uh, and he even made uh, the you know the clip of where he makes a juke and comes across, and it was the see you later of our buddy and pal Nick Olson. Mm-hmm. Who puts that out there? And it was absolutely sweet. There Say he hi is. Say Odie, everybody. This is my big boy. Odie. I know Mary's boy. excited. She loves the little guy. Hey, buddy. Yeah, that- Um. so it's very interesting, Dave, this whole dichotomy with the team. And I want to pose a question to you because it's something I've been thinking about a lot. All right, buddy. I'll let you back down. Oh, good boy. Um, the trade for TJ Hawkinson, we haven't had a chance to talk about it on this show because it happened the morning after Mm -hmm. I loved the trade and by everything that, you know, just kind of talking offline and stuff, you, I feel like you feel the same way. Mm -hmm. Very much so. (laughs) 
I'm very intrigued by the trade because we've seen wide receiver costs go through the roof. A top-tier tight end contract is around $15 million bucks. You're going to get arguably more value out of a top-tier tight end than you are going to be a wide receiver, too, who you're also going to have to pay $15 million bucks. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, and he most likely will, by the end of the season, if you take these last 10 games – of the regular season will have more catches and more yards than Adam Thielen. Yeah. Um, and that kind of leads me to my question, Dave. I think TJ Hawkinson by the end of the season is going to be the wide receiver two on his football team. I don't think Thielen is quite at that. Mm -hmm. I I don't think he's at at that level anymore. And KJ Osborne has stunk. He has not been good. He's had a couple of plays. He's getting open. It's they're not throwing to him. I don't think he's doing anything better than he was last year, even by watching the film. Mm. Like, I, I, you, sure, I disagree. I, I just I I see certain plays he gets open. I see certain plays uh, Adam Thielen gets open, and the ball's going in a different direction. Some of that is the ball's going to Justin Jefferson. No problem, right? Justin Jefferson is Justin Jefferson. He should get the ball on those. But there's other times when the ball doesn't go their direction and it gets thrown down to a stupid stupid behind the line of scrimmage screen or something like that, when it's like, no, you should take the shot. Um, That's the only one thing that's driving me absolutely crazy are those plays. And once they get those, you know, out of their system, hopefully – Things will pick up. I do believe with Hawkinson out there as well, that's going to open those guys up even more. It's because defense is going to focus on Justin Jefferson. Well, that was going to leave TJ Hawkinson across intermediate routes one-on-one, right? He can do that, but it's also leaving the other two guys one-on-one on shorter crossing routes or doing whatever. And I think it's going to get to the point where KOC has this offense telling the defense, dictating to the defense, you've got to pick one or pick how you're going to do this. But we are going to have, out of our five receivers, KJ, AT, uh, JJ, Hawkinson, and either Dalvin, and most likely Dalvin Cook out of the backfield, uh, you got to pick who you're going to cover. And as long as Kirk, continues to get more comfortable, he'll be able to take that read and go to the open guy, and we keep moving the ball downfield. You know, just like those yeah. first drives, scripted drives, we just progress to move the ball downfield. I think that is on the verge of being unlocked. And Hawkinson was the key. Yeah. I I think the one thing that, that really int- intrigues me um, – is why teams haven't really tried to force uh, the Vikings to throw to KJ Osborne. Like, hey, beat us. Like, the one team that was able to do it, because I think the script to beat the Vikings is relatively simple, Dave. Play man coverage, get pressure with four, and be able to cover these receivers. The Eagles did it. They had the horses to do it. 
teams don't have the horses to do that. Like that, that's just not a thing. Yeah, most teams you don't do. like. Yeah, you can't just be like, okay, we are going to be able to man up across the board and be able to hold up. Well, the Eagles can, and I think like one thing you can do is what the Lions did: bracket Justin Jefferson, be like, hey, you have to be us with everybody else. We figured it out, but it was also the Lions. I'm really surprised that more teams haven't decided, hey, we are just going to make you beat us with KJ Osborne. Because mm-hmm. I think that's that sounds like a smart game script to me. And that's not even a slight on KJ Osborne. He is de facto now the fourth option in the passing game with the addition of TJ Hawkinson. And why not make your weakest link in that's going to be on the field regularly beat you? It, I'm just surprised we haven't seen a little more of it so far this season. Yeah, especially with teams that aren't like Philadelphia that can match up against J.J. all that well. You would think, let's move it over and then let have, let's see if Kirk can beat us now with going to K.J. Um, <laughs> D, Thielen needs lots of love. Always he needs lots of love. He's uh, been a great player for the Vikings and uh, – he will continue to be this week. Adam Thielen went over his 500th reception as a Viking. That is amazing. And kudos to him. Only two people above him. And we know who they are. Chris Carter and Randy Boss. Yeah, it was very cool. Um, not only that, Kirk Cousins passed my guy Dante Culpepper on the all-time passing touchdowns that too. Uh, list. 136 for Kirk and at 135 for Culpepper. And Harrison Smith is now has now started the most games at safety in Vikings history at 151. I believe that was passing Paul Krause. It could have been Joey Brown, or I'm not 100% sure. I don't remember. But three milestones were set by Minnesota Vikings this weekend, and it was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, let's kind of d- dive in more to what this uh, what this game was. Because one of the big things, Dave, that people have been talking about, and I've been fighting back on, is Daniel Hunter is washed. Daniel Hunter's not playing well. Oh, his numbers aren't there. You impact the game a lot more as a star defensive end sometimes than just having gaudy sack numbers. Yeah, of course you want to see the sack numbers. Mm -hmm. But we're not talking about a guy who has zero production. He now has six sacks. Um, And Odie. Can you stop chewing on my expensive chair, please? Donnie's drinking Knob Creek. Good selection, Donnie. Yes, very good selection. Um, yeah, stop, Odie, you little turkey. Um, Hunter now has six sacks on the season. He's got about 20 pressures. But he's also the catalyst behind Zadarius Smith's success. Zadarius Smith leads the NFL with 45 pressures this season. He had nine yesterday against the Washington Commanders. And the reason why Hunter was able to get production yesterday, tangible production that people see consistently, sacks, pressures, tackles for loss, hits. They didn't ship him and they didn't double him every single play like we've seen other teams do. Other teams were so scared of Daniel Hunter, he drew that kind of attention. Well, he didn't get a lot of attention because they were worried more about Zadarius Smith and they both killed him. So... It's, it's, Odie, would you stop, please, you turkey? Well, I've seen, um, we watched it with our eyes and you missed stuff. I've seen some of the coaching footage of it. 
and mm-hmm. Daniel lined up wide on the tackle, and he just exploded out. Of, he was hand in the dirt, exploded out of his stance. The tackle took a uh, kick step back to try to get in front of him, and there was just no contest. Daniel was already behind him when the tackle was trying to set his feet, and just literally blew by him and got, I think it was his first sack on that play. And you saw the tackle. You could see it. I could hear it through the tape going, what the hell? How am I supposed to block this? That's how good Daniil Hunter can be. And that's, I expect, we'll see it ramp up. Those numbers ramp up the further and further we go. We've got a good contest this weekend. They have the opportunity to get that going. Now, we'll see if Josh Allen plays or not. Uh, if not, mm-hmm. he's going after Case Keenum. But I think that they can produce. Yeah, and that's going to be really interesting. I wrote it up for the Vikings wire earlier today. Josh Allen has a UCL injury. Now, for those of you that know baseball, you've heard of the Tommy John surgery. So the UCL is a tendon that runs in your elbow, and when you tear it, you need Tommy John surgery, and it's usually 18 months before you're pitching back at a full level in Major League Baseball. It's much different for position players, and it's different for quarterbacks. But what makes things interesting with Allen is Allen's ability to throw at all kinds of arm angles and just throw with incredible power and pop. And he can flick his wrist. That ball's going 70 yards. Hell, he did that on the last play of the game against the New York Jets. And that should have been completed. Gabe Davis let it fall through his hands. Like, Odie, you little turd. But it's not just um, the tendon. It's also mm-hmm. nerve, ulnar nerve damage. And the ulnar nerve runs through over your elbow right about here, runs down, and it affects your ring finger and pinky finger. And it specifically runs through a little U-joint here because I've had mine go and you get what's called trigger finger, and your finger locks, and you can't open it up, and you can sit there and sometimes pop it. But what that does, if that's tingly, it affects his grip on the ball, right? Because you're gripping the whole ball. The pinky and that ring finger are part of that, and it may mess with his throws that way. That's why they may keep him out, because it's both – not only the ligament, which leads to the Tommy John, but it's also mm-hmm. the nerve that got. And if we saw the clip of where it got hurt, and the arm really isn't supposed to bend back that far. Yeah, it's it's not. And it's going to be interesting to see how things progress with him. But two things. One, Allen has had a UCL injury before, Dave. In 2018, he missed four games with a strained UCL. And two... This could be a Case Keenum revenge game, as Case Keenum would be the starting quarterback. And unlike when he played for the Washington Commanders in 2019, then known as the Washington football team, mm-hmm. he would have Stephon Diggs, and it would be a Minneapolis miracle revenge game because that's going to be an angle that's going to be talked to death over the course of this week because that's Diggs. Diggs was traded, and then with that pick, we got Justin Jefferson, and the rest is history. Yeah, but that was Case Keenum in his magic season. Case Keenum is years away from that magic season. Um, I'm not. I'm not as, and they're not the only ones. They're Buffalo's a little beat up. 
but uh, mm-hmm. it's possible. I mean, if power, I haven't seen any power rankings out yet. They'll probably come out tomorrow. We have the second best record in the league, but don't anticipating anticipate the team being ranked that high in power rankings tomorrow. When you see it, they'll be lower, mm-hmm. and the reason is because they're not dominating. They're winning one-score games, having to come back from it. They haven't beaten anybody of note, right, et cetera, et cetera. Everybody's under 500, yada, yada. So expect them to be down. This, uh, I'm trying to remember who it was in the deal, said this will probably be our um, reference game to see how good the Vikings actually are. Well, the excuses are already starting to roll in. Well, they're hurt. Well, we got to start a backup quarterback. This, that, and every other way, way, way. I don't care. Really, I don't yeah. care. Just go out and win games. They can keep underrating us the whole season. We don't need the ratings until it comes to next year when they say the Super Bowl winning Minnesota Vikings come to town, right? That's the only one I want to hear. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. That's that's kind of where I'm at. Um, win a Super Bowl. And you know what? The Vikings injury luck have been has been tremendous. Um, there's a gentleman at Fox Sports. I cannot remember his last name, but his first name is Matt. He has um, – he's the, what he calls the BUS metric, and it's an acronym. So it's ba- it basically calculates what your score is based on how many games you're – players have missed. The Vikings were fifth in the league, basically an injury luck. They missed Alvin Tomlinson this week. They're likely going to miss Cameron Dancer next week, and that's not going to be nearly as big of an issue considering how well Caleb Evans played. And it's noteworthy for two reasons. One, Andrew Booth Jr. still not getting any defensive snaps. That is not something I'm worrying about, Dave, because he was a project you obviously want to see him playing, but they have a long-term play for him. And Evans was always more ready now, but he has a lower ceiling. Mm-hmm. Booth but has it, a sky-high ceiling. But Evans came in this last week and didn't miss a beat. He played extremely well. I will take that low ceiling if we get that the play we got last weekend, mm-hmm. yesterday. Yeah. Um if we get the, that play yesterday, I don't see the Vikings losing another football game. And that's more so the defense didn't break. One of the scores that they had was because Cam Bynum ran into an official, which very frustrating, very annoying. But the officials are part of the play. Like, they're on the field. There's really – it is what it is. Like, it's Cam annoying Cam Bynum didn't run into the official. The official ran into Cam Bynum. That's yeah. what was so heartburnish about mm-hmm. that play. The official could have moved in a different direction and it wouldn't have cost it wouldn't have cost the Vikings a touchdown. Cam Bynum had that ball, that interception in his sights and it was very simple pickoff. It was the backfield judge that ran into him that took him out of the play. Luckily it didn't mean anything. We still won the game, but if we would have lost, that would have been a big deal. I still, I would still to this day credit the defense to holding them to 10 points instead of 17 because I give that other seven to the referees. Yeah, it's, 
it sucks. Um, if you remember, uh, Joe Horn um, mm-hmm. had a similar instance in 2001. The ref was like confused, like, holy crap, he was trying to get out of the way and they, they collided. And that ref was Phil Luckett. And the only reason why people remember the name Phil Luckett is he was the guy who botched the the coin flip in overtime of the Lions-Steelers uh, preseason game in 1998. Um, but look, Stuff like this happens. It doesn't usually get this high profile, and it doesn't usually give a team seven points. But this is something that would have happened to the Vikings over the past 10 years. They would have curled up in the fetal position and died. They would have lost. And they would have been like, oh, everything fell apart after this point. And it would have been the same old song and dance. The difference with this team, they have a confidence about them, and it's given to them by their head coach. And if you watch the press conference from Kevin O'Connell, like this team is like they believe in themselves. Management believes in them. The coaching staff believes in them. This is just different. It really is. And that's a that's an incredible compliment to what these guys have been able to do so far with the Vikings. It's. And it's something that's going to translate throughout uh, the rest of the tenure. Obviously, every every culture has an end because it gets uh, stale and like there are warts in it. But at the very beginning, you're having this kind of success. Look, it's a genuine good thing. Mm-hmm. And the Vikings are able to take advantage. And Odie, stop eating my chair, please, for the love of God. <laughs> um, yes, Mary, we don't give up. Th- this is what's wonderful about this season. They are finding ways to win, and each time they come from behind, they're building more confidence they can, that they can actually do that. And yesterday was a big deal because they were 10 points down in the fourth quarter, and they still came back and won this game. Davey says this team has guts and resiliency. We name this, Tyler named this Resilience. And that's exactly Mm -hmm. what this team is building, that they're learning that they can come back from adversity and beat teams, no matter who the team is. That's why Mm -hmm. I like them this year. Yeah, this this team is, it's just, it's got a different feel to it. And what's really fascinating about it is the fact that for the most part, it's the same team. You uh, have a couple like, hey, uh, lower tier free agents come in. You have Harrison Phillips replacing Michael Pierce. You have Darius Smith replacing Everson Griffin. Like outside of that, your main core guys are all still here. And the fact that your main core from a team that we on this show, me specifically, I wanted to blow it up and start over because I just did not think that they were going to be able to make any kind of turnaround. They proved me wrong and good on them for doing so. Like I have no problem admitting that, um, that, it was a it was a mistake to keep these guys or whatnot. Look, I thought that it was at the end of the rope. You had a lot of high priced contracts. You had guys going into the age of thirty. Mm-hmm. Look, they, they figured a lot out of older guys. You would think good for them, Dave. And you remember the beginning of the season where we talk about predicting uh, records. I said they could win 10, 12 games, but more likely they'll go eight, eight, and one. Be that five hundred mm-hmm. team with the tie being against Detroit. I was thinking about that today. There's no way they go 8-8-1. Eight, eight, and one. 
not even close to 500. It's going to be a disappointment if, you know, they don't win 12 at the rate they're going. Mm -hmm. I will pull up my my overall record and prediction. I wrote an article, though, and I released it the night before the game started. Um, And I will read it to you. Um, what I thought um, the record would be. Um, there are numerous analysts and pundits who have the Vikings winning 11-12 games and claiming the NFC North crown. The Vikings have that ceiling, but I don't have a ton of confidence in that. The Vikings just had careers from Cousins, Dalvin Cook, Justin Jefferson, K.J. Osborne, plus former head coach Mike Zimmer did some things well. You can't expect O'Connell and Donatel to improve everything off the jump while keeping everything that was good at the same level or higher. There will be a natural regression and progression across the board. Expecting Connell to be some magic cure-all is just not a fair expectation. The reality for this team is that they are a 500 football team until proven otherwise. They are having to implement a somewhat new offensive scheme and a completely new one on defense. The injury luck on offense will not be the same as it was last season, and your two best defenders have had massive injury issues the past few years. Sure, they can improve, and it's likely you will see some improvement, but asking for that much is a stretch, and I predict them to go 9-8 and eight in the seventh seed in the playoffs. Listen, when you listen to everything that I said, it, I, I basically said everything they're doing wasn't a fair expectation of all. It was possible. It's not plausible. And they are making it plausible by everything that they're doing. They basically just flipped the switch because last year they were 6-8 and eight in one-score games. This year they're 6-0, and oh, and that is a re- reflection on coaching. They have also gotten lucky with both injuries uh, uh, for them and against them. Like they, they played backup quarterbacks already three times. Or they're looking at playing a fourth. That's pretty impressive. Like I'll take that any day of the week. Now, if you remember 2017, the Vikings had tremendous quarterback luck. It, it felt like they were playing backups every single week. Or you had Aaron Rodgers breaking his collarbone. Mm-hmm. Wow. Sorry if you can hear Odie. He's deciding to play with this plastic mat in the back, which he's not biting which my feet. Yeah. Yes, Raymond, we were wrong. We're happily wrong. I'll take oh, that. Absolutely. I'll eat my words any day of the week for what we've got. And, yes, it does go to prove the change in GM and in coaching. What a difference that change can make. And as our buddy from Vikings Report, Ted Glover, said this weekend, all you got to look at is when Irv went down before, Rick Spielman traded for tight end from the Jets. Chris Herndon. Chris Herndon. Yeah. When Irv um, Smith gets hurt this year, Quasi Adolfo Mensa trades for TJ Hawkinson. I rest my case. That is the big difference, Raymond. You are correct mm-hmm. between GM and coach. The the whole attitude and approach has changed, and it has made all the difference in the world. Oh, 100%. Uh, I am honestly thrilled that the Vikings are in this position. This is not something that I, I would have expected from them um, going in. And this is something that I thought they could get and accomplish in a couple of seasons. And they're doing it now. And unfortunately, one of those things that it's costing them is draft capital. But 
they're using their dra- those draft picks in a very smart manner, Dave. And I, I want to talk about that here for a second because the TJ Hawkinson picks, you get, uh, they gave up a second this year and a third next year for a fourth this year, a conditional fourth next year, and TJ Hawkinson. Now, oh, thank you, Ryan. Um, somebody did ask earlier. They're available on fanatics.com. Just go to the Vikings section. I, I When I saw O'Connell wearing I'm like, ooh, I like it. So I bought it, and I also have a Gator one too that's in the wash right now because I, 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 I love it. It's just comfy. It's light enough weight, and it's also thick enough where you can go out on like a forty degree day, feel pretty comfortable. Um, but the interesting thing was, if you look at the Rich Hill trade chart, which uses historical data to judge value, um, some people like that one. Some people like the Fitzgerald Spielberger chart. Some like. What more analytical based ones? I like the Rich Hill one because it's a little bit more player evaluation heavy, and uh, it's more on the historical data by w- how good players are in certain areas of the draft. Essentially, if the Vikings end up with two high fourth round picks from this deal, if the whatever conditions there are are met, and I think the condition is if the Vikings lose or sorry if they win a playoff game that pick goes to a fifth which is fine if the vikings don't win a playoff game let's say that pick stays a fourth just for um this discussion the vikings only essentially gave up pick 69 which is the fifth pick of the third round to go and get a really good tight end that you think could be a catalyst of your offense for the next five years i think that's a really smart trade because of what mm-hmm. one a tight end means more to this offense than it does most others Look at what the Rams do with Tyler Higby. Higby is a guy that can go out and run routes. He can go out and catch passes. But his value comes from being a blocker and being able to do that. Hawkinson is an improved version of Tyler Higby. And I think his value there is tremendous in that fact, Dave. It's Oh, I agree. It's not, it's not easy to be able to do both. Tight end, um, there's a saying in scouting where you are drafting your tight end for its next their next team. You just are. Mm-hmm. You're not drafting a uh, tight end for yourself, per se. Like, look at what the, the Bucks did. They drafted O.J. Howard at eighth overall, I believe, in 2018. O.J. Howard is now playing um, as a backup on the Texans. Mm-hmm. And T.J. Hawkinson was drafted eighth overall the next season, 2019. He's on the Vikings now. And guess what? You're getting a essentially a quote-unquote finished product with potential to keep growing as far as how he's able to be utilized in this offense. To move from the top of Tier 2 into Tier 1 when it comes Mm -hmm. to tight ends. Like I said on my show, twenty he's 25, a young 25. He turned 25 in July. There's the old saying that you draft a tight end for the next team. They don't come into their prime until year four or five. That is normal for a tight end to get, to reach their peak, right? And then you have them for the next five years at their peak before they fall off. We're getting mm-hmm. that whole peak period for us under our control. We have them this year, 10 games for, if you want to call it, a, you know, an evaluation period. Then next year, because they uh, gave them the fifth-year option, that's guaranteed for nine Point four million. The Vikings, any time between now and then, 
if they want to, can extend him, and I expect there will be an extension some way, way mm-hmm. down the road, and say, next year, say, hey, we'll pay you 15 mil on average, but next year's cap will be only 2 million because we're cash strapped and we need money. But here's this big bonus, and we're going to spread it out and blah, blah, blah. And then we have them for the next five or six years. I think that is a brilliant move by Quasi Adolfo Mensa. Uh, obviously, KOC was involved with that. KOC even talked about how the defensive coaches loved it. And I, it's, it adds another young core piece to this offense that will travel, keep the window open, and more growth over the next few years, which is fabulous. There's going to be some older folks that bow out, right, on the defensive side, and maybe Adam Thielen on the offensive side, maybe even Kirk Cousins on the offensive side. But we'll have that core group of young, outstanding people to go on and to keep us, hopefully, at the beginning, hopefully this year starts the dynasty. And we'll go on from there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there are a couple of things in the chat that I want to um, uh, address here real quick, Dave. Uh, Raymond, if, a little while ago when I was talking about the TJ Hawkinson tra- uh, trade, uh, asked, are one of those charts better overall than the others? I don't I don't know if anyone sticks out as clear-cut better. I prefer the Rich Hill one because it, it's it's more – based on data of how players have performed at certain positions. Now, obviously, if the 65th overall pick does 10 times better than the 66th, you're going to average that out just because it's basically the same thing. Like, it, you want to see, like, hey, how much of a decrease in value you're going to get from, like, 1 to 12. Like, the Vikings went from 12 to 32. And, like, the Jimmy Johnson chart is a bunch of crap. That it was well, essentially made up um, in by Jimmy Johnson when he came to the Dallas Cowboys, and it served its purpose and it it gave a generalized value. But honestly, it was a bunch of dudes sitting at a table making up values. It didn't have any real concrete data behind it. Oh, but it now when it, he, they made that chart, it did because it was based on how much the draft choice was going to get paid, and this was the time prior to the rookie pay scale. This is the time when Matthew Stafford gets a $50 million, or Sam Bradford gets a $50 million um, contract straight out of college without touching a football. Right? Dave, that's not it. I don't think that's entirely true because when this chart was made, the salary cap didn't exist. Yeah, but it this was This was ba- made in like 89. But it was back, yeah, but still back then they were getting these high dollar why are you paying this rookie quarterback giving him a 10 or 20 million dollar contract when veterans weren't even making a million right and it was it came up and i don't know about not having a cap way back then i know a cap was instituted somewhere near there is one of the strikes that had that had happened but that's basically the gist of why the jimmy johnson chart was made it was a financial one then you get the rich hill i like the harvard one which um i forgot who did that but they they're taking the value of the players 
at drafted at each position, throwing it into uh, pro football uh, reference and seeing their AV values of draft positions. And the slope is relatively the same, but they give it a different money value. It's it's less or it's more. The Jimmy Johnson chart starts out high and it just immediately drops and scoots off. This one is a little bit more gentle, uh, and it and it I think it's a little bit more realistic. I know the Rich Hill ones along the same lines of thinking may even be the same chart. Um, but when when you talk about when we get into the draft, and we're a ways off from that, when we get into the draft and how teams work, they work on a variation of all of them. But generally, when you think of Jimmy Johnson, that's always the starting point. Right. And it's going to give you the most value. And then they'll bounce back and forth and say, yeah, but this this chart gives me more realistic. This is better. This is this. Some teams use still use Jimmy Johnson. Others use Rich Hill. Some use their own homemade products. It's it's what it is. And there's to answer Raymond's question, there is no perfect chart that's out there that the league is exclusively using. Wish there was. Mm -hmm. I mean, there may be a perfect chart out there. Rich Hill may be perfect, but not all the entire leagues used it, and they're going to they're going to make decisions in what they feel is their best interest, whether it's right or wrong, and go from there. Yeah. Oh, give me one second. I got Odie Uh-oh. eating something. Odie well, I will boy. continue to tap dance. No, we're here yet. Um, too evil to hope. Best values in the second and third round. Funny enough, Jimmy Johnson chart lines up with that. Well, there was a lot of it, yes, especially per dollar paid. There was. It's you should be able. I like the old CBS chart that breaks it down. First rounders, you expect a starter. Second rounders, you expect to eventually start in the first year. Third year, you hope develop. Or third rounders, you hope develop. And then fourth rounders, you want significant special team players. Fifth rounders, sixth rounders, seventh rounders, you hope to develop and maybe get lucky that they they contribute and can move into that. And then, you know, if not, they're done after three years, you know, three and a half years, mm-hmm. whatever it is. That's where you get that lifetime average for an NFL player is three and a half years. Because those low-end guys fall off the chart. They don't turn up. Can you find some that do? Obviously, you can. You got Stefan Diggs. Right there's a big one. You have, uh, you know, the goat Tom Brady. There's another big one. You have Adam Thielen, who was not even drafted, becomes a big one. There's always places to find talent, but as a whole, if you mash everything in the history of the NFL, it always starts at the beginning of the first round and then goes down, um, like a gentle ski slope, and that's the way you find it. And you can find good value in that second or third round, especially if you're looking for linemen nowadays because you're, the teams are valuing different positions differently than they did in the past. We can go back 20 years, and I remember when drafting a running back was a big deal, right, 20 and 30 years ago. Ah, we got to get that bell cow back, right? And they, they were going top 10. Now you won't, you're probably not going to touch a running back until the very end of the first round, if not in the first round at all. It's because the game's changed and how they value players. That's why quarterbacks are up there. That's why tackles are up there. 
That's why defensive ends are always up there mm-hmm. and top end wide receivers can move up there. That's what you're going to see in the, in the first rounds. And if you look at it today, those guys are the ones that make the most money. So to, you know, link it sort of back to Jimmy Johnson, it sort of works out that way. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you answered this, Dave, but uh, it was asked uh, if that chart was made before modern NFL free agency. The answer was yes. Um, really? Let me get away from my cords. I didn't think so. Yeah. Uh, modern out. NFL, free, modern NFL free agency. In the, what? I thought modern. No. The 84 strike was about that, I thought. Modern NFL free agency, as we know it, um, started when the salary cap in 1993 or 92, and the first big signing was Reggie White to the Packers, four years, $16 million. Yes. That was the beginning of free agency. Right before that is when we got the Jimmy Johnson chart, which is, I believe, the 89 season. Uh-huh. Um, but, I mean, I digress. Let's, uh, let's kind of wrap this up because we have about 10 minutes left, Dave. We got to talk about these Buffalo Bills because they are – look, they're tremendous, but they are a – weird as hell football team because they are incredibly talented. They're talented across the board. They've done a great job drafting and their investment in the trenches is paying off completely. Um, But Josh Allen is hurt. They have injuries. Tredavious White still has not played the season. Um, Spencer Brown, the right tackle has been hurt. Gregory Rousseau is hurt at defensive end. Matt Milano just missed the game against the Jets, and they lost to the Jets. The Jets are 6-3, and three, ladies and gentlemen, mm-hmm. with a bad quarterback. Imagine when they get a quarterback or if Zach Wilson ever develops into a good quarterback, which <laughs> at this point I don't think is going to happen. But this is a Jets team that could be like a Derek Carr away from being a legit Super Bowl contender because of how they're coached, how well they're playing, and the talent that they have because they have talent. They're just not able to maximize it. And they're doing so with a rash of injuries. Mekhi Becton, out for the year. Elijah Barry Tucker, out for the year. Brees Hall, out for the year. And that's just on offense. Uh-huh. This Jets team is legit. And obviously, a divisional foe makes a big difference in these situations, Dave. Because it's easier to beat a divisional foe, per se, because rivalries, weird things happen. Um, but the Bills are incredibly talented. They beat the Chiefs in Arrowhead. And mm-hmm. they looked good doing it. Now, obviously, the Chiefs look good. That was one of the better football games you'll ever see. But this Bills team is very good, and they can beat you in a lot of ways. But they cannot sustain a running game. Um, Timothy uh, Slack says, Jordan Poyer's old spinner. Yes, I forgot Poyer. He did miss the game against the Jets as well. Micah Hyde is out for the year with a neck injury. That may be the end of his career. We genuinely don't know what his status is. But he, he could come back next year, just not this year. Neck injuries are a weird deal. We remember that with Daniel Hunter. You just don't know because it's your neck. It's not a broken leg. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of broken legs, Lewis Seen is walking, and he's been walking for like two weeks. Um, that seems borderline psychotic, like in a positive <laughs> way. The guy had his leg snap in half, and he's already mm-hmm. walking. That's remarkable. NFL players really are just built different. I, I had a blown appendix, and uh-huh. they had like my intestines were outside of my body and stuff, and I just have a gnarly scar. I, I wake up, and they show me what it is. I'm like, oh, that's that's crazy. He's like, all right, we're going to band you back up. Now you got to start walking. I'm like, what in the world are you talking about? Like, I thought that was insane. This takes insane to a whole new level, Dave. 
Um, but the Bills are a really good football team, and we have the chance for two revenge games. If Case Keenum gets a start, it will be him. It will also be the Minneapolis Miracle Revenge game because Diggs finally gets revenge on the Minnesota Vikings. And I would not be shocked if the game plan is just a pepper Diggs, pepper Diggs, and pepper Diggs. Outside of a few players on this team, there really isn't a whole lot of ties with Stephon Diggs to the Minnesota Vikings anymore. The guy who drafted him, Rick Spielman, Mm -hmm. gone. The guy who coached him, Mike Zimmer, gone. His offensive coordinators, gone. His quarterback, well, we all know the relationship between him and Kirk ain't exactly Christmas card level. Um, But it's (laughs) – look, Diggs is – he comes across as a really nice guy, but he felt really – really betrayed by this organization. So he's going to want to stick it to us. And Justin Jefferson, like I think Diggs and Jefferson are two of the top five receivers in football. If you were to name either one of them as the best, I don't think I could really argue with you because they're both just that good at the game of football. Like Tyree kills in that conversation, Devontae Adams, and you could probably put AJ Brown and Jamar Chase in there too. Um, Waddle, I think is not quite as good as Tyree kill, but he is Tyree kill. The Dolphins have two Tyree kills on their team, Dave. Mm-hmm. It, like, it's kind of unfair what they're doing, and Tua has been very good. The Dolphins are 6-3. and three. This NFL season is just weird, but they also beat the Bills. The Bills are beatable. The key for both of those games that the Bills lost, they were on the road. They've been very good at home. But the Vikings are currently 7.5-point underdogs against the Buffalo Bills, Dave. I'm worried about this game. But my worry is not wins or losses. My worry is about playing well. If the Vikings play well, I really don't care if we lose. It sounds weird, but we would go to 7-2, and two, and we would have lost to the best team in football on the road in a close game. I can live with that. Mm-hmm. My hope for the Vikings is they cover the spread. Be within a touchdown at the end of the game. And the spread as of today is go win and it. a half. And you know what? I'm not saying, like, hey, don't go win. Absolutely try to win. But our expectations for this game should not be win or bust. We should want to win, mm-hmm. but we should feel good if they just play really well against a great football team. We'll see. It's going to be interesting because there's going to be weather. Mm-hmm. Uh, the morning before the game, it's as of right now, Mary and I talked about this today. It is supposed to snow. Snow is supposed to be done by game time. Uh, wind is uh, set at 17 miles an hour. That is not gusts. That's just regular 17 miles an hour. As I saw, that should be enough to affect play. I don't know how much it will affect it. I don't know. Field conditions, but it's not going to be. It'll be in the upper 30s temperature-wise at kickoff. But it's going to, it's going to yeah. be different for our guys. I, I bet they're practicing outside all this week. Just get used to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's Look, I'm very excited for this game. Um, there's been a lot of talk. Will this game get flexed? No. It would have yeah, had to have been flexed last Monday. Um, you With these games, you have to flex it 13 days in advance. Um, and... Hey, the only exception is the last week of the season. They make all those decisions by at latest Monday morning on when the times are going to be because they want every game to matter if possible. So if the Vikings can flex is the Dallas game. I think they would need to announce that in the morning. 
Well, it may. I don't it's, know if they right will. now it's owned by CB. It's the three twenty five game at CBS, uh, which is weird. Two NFC teams playing on CBS. Um, so, but, do you know why they do that now, Dave? It's it's because that they're allowing the primetime games to have more map like interdivisional matchups. Um, and because of that, each network, like I think CBS gets allotted at least two NFC ga- uh, games a year for teams. So like well, when they we've have- always seen them when it crosses division, say if an NFC team plays an AFC team. Yes. No, but that, that's, that's networks. my point. When, when like those games get primetime slots, then they get the two AFC or two NFC teams. CBS just did Bucks Rams. Like that's mm-hmm. that's a new normal. It started a couple years ago, and it's honestly just to make sure that everybody gets. Um, but what I'm saying is, if any game gets moved, our game may be moved out of the 325 slot into the Sunday night slot. But there is negotiations behind that. That's you know NBC, CBS, Fox are all involved. Yada yada. And how all that's going to work, and then what they're going to do with that game, because that game was, it's a, I think it's a dud of some sort. And uh, we'll see. But this weekend, it's noon, which is great for Kirk Cousins. That's his favorite time oh, it, to play football. <laughs> and he's good at it, too. Mm-hmm. All right, um, let's wrap this up. Hey, guys, I want to thank everybody for watching. I want to thank our great sponsors, Lake Monster Brewing and Badass Wood Art for being so great in helping us out and make sure, make sure you check out Lake monster. Cause I think we're going to try and have something here um, later on during the season and potential for the draft party as well. They were tremendous hosts. Mm-hmm. And we've got things working and yes, they were. And we have stuff to do shows live from Lake monster and they're doing great. And, Tyler is wondering mm-hmm. where Odie went. Oh yeah, um, he is. He's by my garbage can. <laughs> he is. He's a turkey butt. He is four months old, and he loves to get into everything. What I was trying to chase him earlier, like I have my old microphone sitting on the ground in the corner. Well, he found it. Mm-hmm. I was going to try and sell it. Um, I probably still can, but yeah, he's. He's just rambunctious. He, do, he doesn't feel super comfortable being anywhere down but in the, the main level of the house. So he kind of acts up when he's up here or when he's in the basement. But if I'm working on the couch, oh, no. He just he just <laughs> passes out right next to me. It's pretty cool. Um, in the meantime, I want to thank everybody. Listen, the Vikings, when we come back here, could be 8-1. It's, it's a pretty dang cool thing. Um, look, if they're seven and two, who gives you crap? They're seven and two. How can you be mad about seven and two? Just as long as they play a good football game, uh, we will be very happy in this space and we'll talk all about it. Um, and then we'll uh, be preparing for the Cowboys in 13 days, which is going to start Dave, a three game homestand. Mm-hmm. When the Vikings return from Buffalo, they will not leave the state of Minnesota until they, they go to, I believe it's, the Detroit Lions on December 11th. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's pretty dope. It is dope. And they'll but, have two home games with the Colts and Giants, and then they'll finish off the Packers and Bears. And by that point, the Vikings games may not matter a whole lot, and likely their games won't either. 
Well, mathematically, we could have this sewn up on Thanksgiving, but I doubt that's going to happen, but it's going to be close. But hey, folks, the Vikings are 7-1. and one. They've got the second best record in the league right now, mm-hmm. right? Every other team behind them has only got six wins or less. Hey, I just want to point out that after I posted that the Vikings' magic number is five and they could clinch on Thanksgiving, beat reporter after beat reporter Reporters. was posting the same thing. And I'm like, nope, that was me. You're not stealing my thunder. Um, yeah. They're good people. But, yeah, it's just, just, just remember where you're coming for your Vikings stuff. And the Vikings Wire and this show will have you covered 24-7. Mm-hmm. In the meantime, producer Dave – Always doing a great job, and myself, and little Mr. Odie, who's eating my chair somewhere. Yes, buddy, you are. <laughs> our next Have show a wonderful will be, night. Our next show will be Wednesday for Vikings Happy Hour at our normal time, 8 o'clock in the evening. Matt's going to hopefully have a guest for us. I don't know if he does or not. Uh, I do know we have one the following week. Um, but I'm hoping to get one for next week, and I have somebody in mind that would almost be perfect for it, too. Then you have myself and Darren as two old bloggers, your pregame show, and we'll go on from there. What do we say? Skull Vikings, everybody. Skull Vikings! Thanks for watching. Like, subscribe, and ring the bell, and rate us on your favorite aggregator. And a special shout-out goes to our partners, The Daily Norseman, where the best Vikings content can be found. And to Lake Monster Brewing, home of the best beer in Minnesota. Skull, everybody.